Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts. Especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributor. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Good morning, friends. Uh, my name is Martha, and I am a pilgrim, which I hope to use as my introduction every time I come here. And I hope I don't preach about it too often, because you might get sick of it. But um, in the spring of 2002, this one time, when I was living in central, north central, whatever, east central, someplace Indiana, I decided to go visit a friend in Virginia. And I say this was spring of 2002 to point out that this was before uh, GPSs or uh, smartphones uh, were available to the common peasant. And uh, so I did what you would do during that era. I looked up on Yahoo Maps how to get from Upland, Indiana to Virginia Beach, Virginia on uh, the internet and then printed it out and then had it on the seat next to me. Uh, long story short, about five turns later, I find myself in Virginia Beach, Virginia. There were basically four roads between my house and my friend's house. And I was baffled by that. I was blown away that at some juncture, someone figured out, like there was one set of pavement. Like I never left pavement. I, my house was practically connected to my friend's house in another time zone on, on, a, on a however many miles that was however many hours it took me to drive it, blew my mind. I've been thinking about um, something someone shared in open worship a few weeks ago. I've heard the word transition a lot in reference to this community. Um, as I was interviewing to uh, come journey with you during this interim time, the word transition comes up often. And during open worship, someone mentioned, maybe this isn't so much just transition, but a time for transformation. And something sparked in the room. Something, the floor dropped out. Something sparked in me, and I haven't been able to shake that thought. I tell you the story about uh, the Yahoo Maps printout, getting from Indiana to Virginia with five roads just by following the turn-by-turn -turn instructions, in so many miles, turn left, in so many miles, merge onto this highway. Both because I couldn't believe I made it from Indiana to Virginia in the allotted amount of time and in five turns, five roads, but because every turn was, was true. <laughs> Somebody on Yahoo Maps knew that if I turned left on this highway, I would get there. This is the same dynamic I experienced when I was walking in Spain. Uh, the Camino, wherever you start, 
you're aiming for Santiago, you know that's in northwest Spain. So from where I started, I knew I was going west. That's about it. Um, you look for yellow arrows is how you get there. You're on foot. You're in whatever town you start in. You might have to ask someone, where does the Camino start? They might point you to another road. But sooner or later, you're looking for a yellow arrow, a yellow shell, um, a little knee-high pillar, um, maybe a road sign with an image of a pilgrim, <laughs> this great little like staff cane. But that's it. All, your job, my job, for those five weeks was to look for the next yellow marker. And sometimes it was on the flat side of the curb. Sometimes it was on rocks. Uh, sometimes it was shaped out of rocks. Some pilgrim ahead of me had uh, pulled all these rocks together into the formation of an arrow or picked a bunch of dandelions and laid them out in the shape of a yellow arrow. Well, that is all you're doing. I mean, you're looking at all the scenery and you're like asking all your existential questions, but you're looking for yellow stuff on the ground or on a tree or you don't know where it's going to be. And these are metaphors. I realize I'm all over the place, but so is this journey. There's a metaphor within transition. There's a metaphor within transformation. There's metaphors within these yellow arrows when they show up and when they don't. I could also tell you a few stories about the times I got lost, where I was sure the last arrow said to keep going this way, up a steep hill <laughs> for a while. <laughs> but as I think about transition and transformation, I think of one of the assignments we had to do in grad school. How do people change? room full of people training to be therapists and pastors. Can people change and how do they? So our text today is Genesis 12 and Isaiah 43. In Genesis 12, Yahweh said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and the home of your parents, and go to a place I will show you. Go to a place I will show you. And Isaiah 43. But now Leah and Rachel and Jacob hear the word of Yahweh. The one who created you, the one who fashioned you, Israel. Do not be afraid, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the seas, I will be with you. When you pass over the rivers, you will not drown. Walk through fire and you will not be singed. Walk through flames and you will not be burned. I am Yahweh, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your deliverer. The idea of transition, in Genesis 12, God invites Abram out to go to a land which I will show you. And he makes promises as well, the Holy One, not even, not he, the Holy One, the Divine One, makes promises to Abram. And then in Isaiah 43, we hear promises again that Yahweh speaks when the nation is in exile. 
And I think not only does God, the Holy One, make promises to God's people, but also we as people make promises in these, in these deals. Transition, on one hand, is getting from point A to point B. It's more definable, more recognizable, maybe. It might involve learning a new language, building new muscles, gaining new skills. But there are commitments about family and homeland and household. And there are evaluations of what stays and what goes. Side note, how do you know or see what you can't or don't know or see within yourself unless you are moved? Unless you are introduced to a new perspective from another, which is a whole other message in itself that we become ourselves in relationship. The metaphor of transformation, however, is less articulable. It's more esoteric, and it's perhaps more drastic. It's who you become along the way, not just where you get to next. And it's perhaps ongoing, but it's perhaps more drastic in the sense of, um, I was thinking of models of transformation, and the first thing that came to mind was butterflies. Caterpillars turn to butterflies, isn't that lovely? And uh, they turn to goo in the meantime. Or seeds, acorns that turn to trees, and they get buried first, and it might feel like death. Other models of transformation, fire and flood, as we hear in the text. It's probably not ironic that we make um, wall hangings and um, t-shirts of butterflies, but rarely of volcanoes, tectonic shifts, wildfire. So there's a cost within it, makes us evaluate what things are worth how we define and measure what things are worth. But there's a promise that God goes with. God will show the land to Abram. God will be with God's people wherever they go. God will go through the fire and the flood. The source of life, this great, big, broad, good God, is for us, with us, and in us. And that new territory will open doors and open drawers and open rooms that you didn't know existed within and among each of us. And on that line, I'd like to read this piece I wrote in grad school. Here's a story. Of how we shift, how we change, how we... Hmm, do it together. A group of us huddled and gathered in the parking lot near a trailhead, unsure of ourselves, our destination, our path, and our guide. No one had met her before. No one had hiked this terrain previously. We had all received cryptic summons and, as in a dream, found ourselves in this parking lot without remembering how we had come to arrive there. Had we been at an airport, no one would be able to honestly answer the ticketing agent's question, did you pack your own bags, and have they been in your possession since? Simply because none of us could remember. But here we were, backpacks, boots, and all, wearing hello, my name is stickers, like newbie conference attendees, sore thumbs in this wilderness. Ready? It's time. Let's head out. 
our guide of few words spoke to the group. We moved toward the trail and converged into a single file line, glancing back at the parking lot, at each other, at the back of our guide's head, and finally at the large yellow sign plastered across the Park Service bulletin board, warning, live mines. Are you seeing this sign? came one voice from the middle of the line, directed toward our guide as she nonchalantly eased into her hiking stride, pulling away from us as we braked and careened into the backs of the persons in front of us. Yep, it's been there for ages, she called back to us over her shoulder, and pausing, turned to make eye contact with each one of us. I've done this before. We're going to make it. The woman looked neither steely nor afraid, I couldn't put my finger on what it was that her stance conveyed, but I wanted to know what she knew. If she had survived this terrain previously, then either she knew what she was talking about, or the alleged landmines weren't a real threat. How can you be so sure? I'm not sure I want to risk it, the questioner replied, his unmoved body facing the signage and his eyes askance toward the guide. Mines sound dangerous. I don't want to go anywhere near them. The rest of us craned our necks around the people in front of us to see what the guide's response would be to the resistant hiker. Her words were few. I get that. Stick with me and we'll make it. Was she kidding or could she be serious? Oh, come on, the person in, into whom I had just collided said to the group in general and the resistant hiker in particular, it'll be an adventure. This lady may be crazy for taking us through minefields, but she's still standing. If you're so scared, why didn't you just stay home? Actually, I'd kind of like to see one go off. Feel the ground shake and all that? Want to be the guinea pig? The first speaker shot a look at the second. His face was offended and his eyes glinted with the pile of sharp words which remained unspoken. A couple of hikers between them exchanged assuring glances and murmured blandly soothing words to the new sparring partners. A couple of other heads dropped silently, one woman gulping down her fear, one man tightening the straps of his pack with exasperation. The mines are already going off, I thought to myself at the back of the line. Our guide stepped back toward the stalled group and asked, what is in your hand? Dumbfoundedly, we looked down to see that each of us held a map reflecting similar landscapes, but bearing different markings, arrows, highlighted areas, shaded areas, dotted lines, large black X's. The map in my hand bore an inscription along the margin which read, to Martha, we love you, from mom and dad. A nearly identical message lined the edge of the map held by the woman in front of me, as well as the man in front of her. Our group came to this dreamlike realization that we each held our own version of the terrain we were about to enter as personalized as our DNA from our parents. If this map was a message, my parents' attempt at telling me how to navigate this terrain of minefields, then why were the markings on my map so different from those on the map of the woman in front of me? Quickly glancing between them, I seemed to notice that anywhere my parents had drawn a left arrow, the woman in front of me had been instructed to go right. How could our directions, our expectations for ways of being in the world, be so different? Didn't they want us to live, even thrive? Or did they wish us harm? Gasps rose from the group as others came to the same conclusions as I had. 
Our guide took a deep breath, leaned toward us until she was almost hunching, and whispered, what if you could survive the blast? My queries for us today. What are your vows, your promises? I will always, I will never. As a community, what have we promised? We will always, we will never. And what if spirit comes as a volcano instead of as a butterfly? Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're really happy that so many of you are finding it to be helpful and as a way to stay connected with what's going on with us here at West Hills Friends. If you'd like to stay connected with us in other ways, we have a couple options for you. You can check out our website. It's westhillsfriends.org. There you'll find some more information about who we are as a community. You can also follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook account by just searching for West Hills Friends. You can also follow us on Instagram. We have a Instagram account with the name West Hills Friends. So we hope that you'll get connected with us in other ways. And again, thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast.